Here in Nebraska, we know a little bit about unfinished business. In 2004, New Year's Day, the undefeated number one ranked Cornhuskers were playing in the Orange Bowl. Came down to the last second, we rushed our kicker onto the field and he missed wide right. Anybody remember that guy's name? No. He's, yeah, well, yeah. How do you know that? Byron Bennett. Most of us don't know that because he's in the witness protection program right now. Byron Bennett. After the game, the players and the coaches began to devise a plan. They had some unfinished business. For the next few years, we became the most dominant football team in the history of college sport. I can say that because I know this stuff. We all have some unfinished business probably in our lives. As we age and we begin to think, you know, we call it bucket list stuff. Like, hey, uh, I got some unfinished business, so I want to jump out of plane, right? That makes sense. I got some unfinished business. Uh, I want to go see this or do this or talk to this person. A lot of us, we get towards the end, we think, I've got some unfinished business with my kids. I need to fix that up. I got some unfinished business with my mom or my dad or my, you know, I, I need to, my best friend, I need to, before I go, I want to take care of some business. We probably all have some of those things. Years ago, a teacher said to his followers, and this is the last words he's got, right? This is the parting shot, the most important words that uh, you could say, right? Is you know it's, it's the time, Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 28, verse 16. The 11 disciples left Galilee and going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him. Check this out, but some doubted. Now, that doesn't make any sense to me, right? Because like, here is the resurrected Jesus right in front of them. You got doubts? No, you got issues. How can you not believe? How can you like, take a look. What more do you need than me right in front of you? So if you have occasional doubts, welcome to the club. I mean, there's no doubts. There's sometimes when we go like, wonder if this is a crock. Wonder if this is not true. I, 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 I'd like to believe. And I hope that you can work through some of those doubts. There's massive amount of evidence for the fact that Jesus came back from the grave. But even if he stands in front of a pe some people, sometimes we have some doubts, right? It's all right. Check this out. Jesus told his disciples, I have been given all authority. That word all, pretty important. He doesn't say, I have been given some authority. I have been given most authority. And you have some, but, not, but I have been given all authority in heaven and earth, Right? Therefore, since I have all authority over you guys, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I'm going to be with you always, even to the end of the age. He's been given all authority. That's what happens when you come back from the dead. You get all authority. He's not some nice teacher or some sort of philosopher or a good guy. He's the resurrected Lord. And he's been given all authority by God. 
And he tells you and me, and, and, and so we don't get out of this. Like, like oh, he ta- that was for the guys on that day. This is for us. This is for us of all time. Any follower of Jesus, this applies to you and me. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's it. Here's why we're on the planet, right? Here's what we're supposed to be doing. This is... Every church is, by the way, I think marching orders. This is what you have to do. If you can't do this right, uh, you will become a social club or a music venue or a comedy club, right? Because if you can't, if we don't do this, then why are we on the planet? A lot of churches we struggle with this. Let me clue you in. Our number one priority as a church, Stonebridge Christian Church, will and always has been reaching people for Jesus. That's it. That's why we're here. It's not, this isn't for me. It's not for you. This is for people who are far from God. So we got to figure that out. Such was the dream of a girl 100 plus years ago. She was a high school kid in a little hamlet called Irvington, Nebraska. Most of us don't know where Irvington, Nebraska is. We know where the Irvington exit is if we want to go to Walmart, right? So we go, right? And, but Irvington was a little spot, not very significant, just out of the way. Uh, now it's swallowed up by Omaha, but at one time it was just a little community. And she looked around at the kids that were in her neighborhood and said, we got to do something about the mess. They're... they're They're in trouble. And she loved Jesus, and she loved her neighbors. So she decided to start a Sunday school class for these kids. Now, why would she think she could do that? Think about this. She's a girl in high school with no authority and no money. Like, she doesn't have, how's she gonna pay for that? What's she gonna use? How's this gonna happen? So she invited the kids in the neighborhood. The parents were more than welcome to give them a, a, you know, give, a, give them to her for an hour. This is great. This is great. Thank you. And things begin to change in the lives of little, those little kids. They just wanted to keep going back and learning about Jesus. Eventually, there were so many of them, they started the Irvington Church of Christ. From a humble beginning in a little building in Irvington, Nebraska, the church continued to grow. So much so, eventually they said, we, we need to do something about it. We, we can't hold everybody here, and we need to move. And so they moved to 99th and 4th Street, out in the Wild West. Nothing out there, not even a tree. And bless the little hearts of the planners who were designing an interstate system. They said, let's put a, a, a road up from north to south, Connect into Iowa. We'll call it the 680. And bless their little hearts, they put an exit right on Fort Street to that little building. Everybody in the city could find it. They kept growing. They built an auditorium. They began to fill that up. So much so that 700 people decided to make a a big change, a, a big decision. Those 700 people that were gathering in that church on Fort Street bought 17 and a half acres five miles west of them on 156th Street. There's not much out here either. Not much at all. No buildings to the north of us. In fact, there was Concordia High School was a barn. There's nothing else. 
It was the road that connected to Bennington, which was not much as well. Nothing was happening in Bennington, no lakes, no Casey's, no nothing. <laughs> Isn't it great that we have Casey's now? Like, right? <laughs> My wife doesn't even know this, but yesterday I bought a piece of pizza <laughs> on the way home. It's awesome. And those 700 people, because now it's 21, over 2,100 people that call Stonebridge home every weekend. Amazing. <laughs> A few years ago, we got into trouble because we was like, our main campus, main services in our campus here in Omaha had filled up. By the way, when you reach 75% capacity at 11 o'clock and 9.30, your church begins to plateau. I don't care what you do. You can say, well, it's 38 o'clock. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> How many people who are far from God, when they get home at 2 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday night, go, I'm just going to stay up? I'm going to that 8 o'clock service. I... Nobody does that. Last weekend, I met a person who, who went to 8 o'clock. For, it was the first time they ever came. They went to 8 o'clock. I took a selfie with them. I'm like, this is unusual. That's amazing. But the truth of the matter is, we know that in all, all over America, the best times for people to go to church are at 9.30 and 11 o'clock. We tried our very best to push more people into services. We've asked many of you to, to try other services. We've tried about all we can do to do that. Another thing that when a church begins to plateau is when we don't have enough parking. doesn't matter how big your auditorium is. You can't park people. People turn around. We saw that today. They come in there and they look around. They go, I'm just going to go somewhere else. Or I'm going to go to Casey's. I watch that guy on a phone. Big deal. Another way we plateau is when we can't put any more kids in a classroom. That one's the hard one. Many of you know the pain of that. We do here all the time. We close rooms because sometimes we don't have enough volunteers to, to manage the room. Oftentimes we don't have enough square footage in our children's ministry area to because we can't keep cramming people in there. That's not a good experience. Brand new people come in, they check their kid in, they look in there like, mm-mm. Not putting them in there, that's chaos. So we don't do that. We have pretty amazing kid men staff and volunteers. But we can only put so many kids, and we've renovated this space so many times, we don't even know what to do. So we're asking you to help us. Sometimes people think, well, you're too big. You're just too big. I don't like big churches, right? They're like, okay, I get that. And so I was like, well, what do you think is the perfect size for the church? What, what, what do you think would be that? Like if you were a church planter and you're coming up with an idea, it's like, hey, what, what would you do? What would you do? What is the ideal size of a church? Now, some of you are like, well, I think you need to have a church where you can know everyone. Right? What's that? About 80 people, 75 people. Some of you are a little bit more, you have more friends on Facebook, right? So you can get to 100 people. But, but, but we don't have the capacity to know that many people. Well, maybe 300 people. I think 300 would be a good number. So uh, you know, we, we can play that game all day long, but most of you would never say, I think we need to have a church over 2,000. My guess is today we should kick a bunch of you out. <laughs> I got some of you in mind. We, we're too big. 
We're just too big. And I'm sorry that your mom and dad can't fit in here anymore or your best friends can't fit in anymore, but we did our best. They're kind of on their own, and we tried. Sorry, they, they should have come a year ago. We had some space a year ago. See, we, we, can't, we can't think like that. Well, how big is Stonebridge supposed to get? I don't know. Big enough for one more person, I guess. We're going to make room for people. So here's what we're going to do. Take a look. The city we call home, Stonebridge, Omaha, has grown until we are bursting at the seams. Our Sunday morning services and our kid ministry spaces have surpassed capacity, and despite adding worship services and renovations and adjustments, we're often forced to close rooms in our kid areas due to space constraints. Well, it's time to expand once again. We've utilized this property for the last 12 years, and it's served us well. But just like our mission, this property is unfinished. Developing the rest of this property is going to allow us to reach our full potential on our Omaha campus. We're super excited to be able to do that. Our new campus expansion will feature a 22,900 square foot worship center with a 1,500 seat auditorium. Additional backstage space to allow audio recording for our live Spanish translation during our services. An expanded parking lot, outdoor patio, and kids' playground equipment behind the buildings that we're calling our backyard. We've reimagined the future of our existing building. We'll transform all our current kids' space into space for nursery through preschool-aged children, and our current auditorium is going to become a dedicated elementary space for children from kindergarten through fifth grade, giving us three times the amount of kids' space we have today. With the massive expansion of Stonebridge Hollow, we'll be creating more room for our elementary kids to learn and move and play. There'll be plenty of space for fun and engaging group worship that Stonebridge Kids Ministry is known for and we'll have increased capacity to open our arms to even more young families in our area. Join with us as we continue the work in our city. Very fun. So as I sat here today, I thought, uh, I don't think it's big enough. I know, we're two years out. What are we going to do, right? If we just grow in by 10% on this campus, two years. Where are we going to put them? All right, 8 o'clock. All right, all right. <laughs> so what are we going to do? I'm asking you to do two things. First of all, we need to be his witnesses, right? So we're going to be witnessing to the goodness and the greatness of Jesus. He says to you, I need you to do this. Every single generation has the responsibility to engage their generation in the claims of Christ. 1 Peter 3, verse 15 says, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks, because they might not, but if somebody does, so Whatever sphere of influence you might have on your ball team, uh, in your in the you know your workspace, in your home, if somebody asks you, 
about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way, right? We have forgot that one. We have tended to be judgmental and harsh. Let's try this again. Do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they'll be ashamed when they see the, what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. One of the greatest witnesses, witnessing tools you can have is living a good life because somebody's going to notice. Somebody's going to notice, all right? Most people who walked away from faith didn't do so because of Jesus. They did it because of maybe rules and regulations, maybe a bad experience at a church. Once upon a time, the fact that Jesus came back from the dead turned the world upside down. I want you to think of one person, just one person you know that needs Jesus. And my guess is within six seconds, you figure that out. And it's, it's your best friend or it's a coworker or it's your spouse or your children. You've got that one person in mind. And I'm going to ask you not to pray for that person. I'm going to ask you to pray for yourself that you be bold enough to engage in a conversation over the next year about Jesus. And it might be as simple as this. Hey, would you like to go to church with me? That's it. Or uh, is there anything I can do for you? You know, if they're going through a tough time, I'd love to pray for you. And all of a sudden, there's just an open door. In fact, I've, I've prayed with people who don't even think they know that there's a God. I've never had anybody turn that down. And it's usually like, well, that'd be great. It just gives you a chance to have a conversation. It's so hard. Things are so hard. Really? Well, you know, the moral decay of our country, Hollywood is so anti-Christian, we're so secular, millennials are skeptical. That's it? That's all you got? That's hard? Imagine those Christians in Rome in the back room of a building reading scriptures from a scrap of paper that they got, a letter from Paul. And the first century Christians were, were not put off or, or even afraid of the violence that was going to come their way. They were surrounded by it every single day. Rome was violent, and bloodthirsty men desired the blood of Christians in a Colosseum. Believers were being ripped apart by animals. All this happened because they truly believed that a guy came back from the dead. And that Colosseum's empty now, and Rome is nothing. And Christianity is all over. Boldness is what is required. So I'm going to ask you, find one person, pray that you will have boldness when the opportunity comes. I hope that the opportunity comes. It might not, but if it does come, please step in, right? Second thing we're going to ask you to do, be a witness and you need to give. We're asking you to consider helping us make room for one more person to find their way back to God. This building on this campus was provided in, by, by people over a dozen years ago because their campus we had was, was inadequate. We needed more space. We do know that, that we've reached a plateau in this, in the, on this campus because our main services are full. So we have to have an answer to the fact that we have a great resource of this property. 17 and a half acres. I can't even imagine... If I had to buy 17 and a half acres on 156th Street now, 
We have been given this incredible resource, and it is underutilized and unfinished, and we're responsible. I think if God says, Mark, I gave you 17 and a half acres, you, you got it halfway done. In some of the greatest growth spurts of Northwest Omaha, another real great reason is that to do this now is because this side of town is going bonkers. High school right up the street is going to be built by Omaha. Just right up the road. You think that the developers are salivating over that one? I can't wait. Open that thing up. Elkhorn, four miles down the road, open like a high school. See, years ago, southwest Omaha was where everything was growing. I think one of the saddest reasons why it was growing is because we didn't want to bus our kids into the inner city. So we moved them all out to Millard. The city of Omaha changed that thing, but now the northwest side of town is opening up. Farmers have decided to sell their land and go to Florida. <laughs> the largest recreational site in all of Omaha metro area just opened up 168th Street. It's phenomenal. Every builder in Omaha is going... I want that, I want that. I want everybody to have a view of that, right? And people are buying homes like crazy. It's amazing. So we're building an amazing auditorium to seat 1,500 people. We'll add enough parking to accommodate. We'll be turning our current space in this room to our Kidmen area. This will be grade school area. It's phenomenal. It'll turn over at, on Wednesday nights and, and all that kind of stuff is gonna happen. We'll figure out things. But right now, uh, we got two years to figure this all out. See, we oftentimes close rooms on a Sunday morning because we don't have enough space. To me, that is unacceptable. That's unacceptable. Here's why. Let's just say that my grandkids and their parents decided to go to church. And they get up to the Kidman's check-in system and the people say, I'm sorry, we don't have room for your seven-year-olds today. I can tell you what's going to happen. They won't go back. They will not go back. You know how much money I'd give so that wouldn't happen? It'd be a lot. I'm going to give a lot of money so that your grandkids can get in the room. And your friends and neighbors. Because... I want them to fight Jesus. For some of you are motivated to give to this campaign because you found Jesus here. You're the beneficiary of gifts that were given over a dozen years by a group of people who decided to make a difference and live their faith out loud. Maybe we got an invite card, you had it, went to a, a fireworks show, and now you want anyone and everyone to have the chance that you have. So over the next couple of week, weekends, we're asking you to consider what your part might be. In, on your seats today, there's a commitment card. We don't want you to fill it out today. We think you need about four weeks to pray about that. There's different numbers on here. It's just kind of a um, thing. Some people might be able to give $250,000. Some of us might give $5,000. This is just a guide. We don't want it to limit you. 
Um, but we do want you to just kind of eyeball it. And then in a few weeks, we're going to have a commitment Sunday and we're going to ask you to, to make a pledge. Now, some of you are like, whoa, 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 whoa. I've been to churches like that before and they publish my name on a piece of paper and put it in the lobby. Are you going to do that? No. No, nope. this is between you and God. The church knows about it. And, and all but, uh, and la- actually, we would publish your name if you give about five mil. <laughs> we'll put it on the stinking building. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> I want you to ask, I want you to have a spiritual conversation in your home about this. Spiritual conversations should go like this. What do you think we should do? What do you think we should do? Whether you're single, married, divorced, how you're doing. You should have a conversation in your home with the Lord about this. And this is above and beyond our tithe, so this is a big deal. We're asking you to consider that. Because our work here is unfinished. This is for every campus. We're asking Millard and Fremont to participate in this as well. Here's a win 